It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. In the short but very exciting history of This Might Get Uncomfortable, we have had a few milestones that feel like I've been really excited about and proud of. And this episode is a really fascinating thing. I woke up this morning and I was having a tough time getting out of bed because I was surrounded by animals. (laughs) My girlfriend let all of the animals in before I got up. And so I was greeted by a paw to the eyelid and a wet nose to the cheek. And as I was sort of waking up, trying to wake up slowly, although the animals wouldn't allow me to do so, I was just kind of reflecting in that in-between state of wakefulness and sleep on, wow, it's our 200th episode recording today and how it seems like time. It's such a bizarre thing right now. You know, it on one hand, it feels Whitney like we arrived at 200 episodes very, very, very quickly on, the, on one hand in terms of perception of time. And then on the other hand, it also feels like we have been doing this podcast a lot longer than we have been. It's a really strange way to feel about it, I suppose, because it's like, wow, okay, you know, 200 episodes is kind of an arbitrary measurement. Everything's an arbitrary measurement. It's the meaning we assign to things. We always talk about this, how events and accomplishments and things in our lives are inherently neutral, but if we assign meaning and value to them, then they're meaningful and valuable to us. So I feel like we've been doing this a lot longer than we have. It's interesting. And I was reflecting on how we felt on our 100th episode and our 100th episode did not feel that long ago, which is weird to be sitting here recording number 200 with you. It really feels like 100 was just the other day. And I think I'm just reflecting a little bit today as we're recording this episode on where we want to take this in terms of our topical matter and the guests we have coming up. One little preview for you, uh, dear listener, is we record these episodes in advance. If you've been with us a long time, you know that we have a little bit of a lead time. We're not recording and releasing these episodes the exact same day. And Whitney and I have a whole litany of really fascinating guests that we've booked through the summer. So when we have guests that reach out to us and say, oh, you know, can we get on like next week and our episode go live really fast? We're like, "Mm, not, I mean, sure. If you want to throw in like another French bulldog puppy or a year's supply of chocolate, we're available to be bribed. Absolutely. Like for anybody listening, if you want to be a guest on our show, we will absolutely accept bribes so long as they are things that we enjoy. But I just, I think I just wanted to kick this off, Whitney, but just reflecting on how far we've come in such a short period of time and how quick it has felt in the same time too of like, wow, here we are at 200. And I feel like there's a lot of interesting milestones coming up for us. You know, we have this, we also have celebrating our three-year anniversary of our brand Wellevator that we officially launched back in, God, when did we launch it? The spring of 2018. So we're actually going to be celebrating our three-year anniversary of Wellevator in addition to these 200 episodes. And then you also have a birthday coming up. So I feel like there's a I feel like there's a lot to celebrate coming up this month, which is really really cool and given everything we've been through over the last year plus, I'm reminded that it's important to celebrate things and that 
I think oftentimes I will put my head down and not really celebrate certain accomplishments or celebrate certain milestones. But I think it's important for us to do that. And for me, reclaiming my joy in my life, and it's been really difficult with my depression to feel a lot of joy lately. These may be arbitrary milestones, but I feel like they are worth celebrating. And even that little bit of joy in the day of like, look what we did. It's really, really important to take note of that. And I'm saying that for my own mental health. And I, I, I hope you feel the same way, Wit, of just kind of reflecting on what we've done and how far we've come. Absolutely. And it's interesting because it reminds me of a lot of elements of life when you're anticipating something and what it feels like to look forward to something versus what happens when it finally happens and then what the aftermath is. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, 200 episodes. In fact, right now, as I reflect on it, I remember putting it into our, what's the term I want, a spreadsheet. We have a spreadsheet on a program called Airtable. We used to use Google Sheets, but I switched over to Airtable because it's got some features that make it a little bit easier for something like this. Highly recommend that. Also, I considered using Notion. So for any of you that are podcasters and are curious about the behind the scenes of our brand and how we do this podcast, a huge thing that we've learned is how to stay organized. And we mainly use Google Documents and Airtable right now, plus Calendly and Google Forms, so that, which is also part of Google Drive, to organize everything. And we have the spreadsheet in Airtable that has a list of all of the upcoming shows, previous shows, the status, what dates the episodes are coming out, notes on them. And then we use that to plan the episodes and then to submit the episodes to our editing team. And it's all the coordination of it. And I remember plugging in the 200th episode and thinking, gosh, that's so far away because I probably put that on our spreadsheet three or four months ago, I believe. And now it's here. At least the recording is here. And it's fascinating because that reminds me of anything that we look forward to that's in the future. For example, I have a trip coming up at the end of this month, and it's going to be here before I know it. And then I also have a tentative trip of driving cross country again this year. And I was talking to somebody about it who said, oh, that's so far away. It's currently the beginning of March that we're recording this episode and the trip that I'm planning would probably be at the end of August, early September. But I know, as many of us do, that that will be here before I know it. And then I'll be looking back and thinking, wow, it's here. And then at some point shortly after, it'll be over with and I'll be looking back and saying, oh my gosh, I remember when I was planning that trip. And it's interesting for me psychologically as human beings how that works in our brains. Sometimes the anticipation, it feels like things are taking so long to happen, but they really don't take that long. It also reminds me of things that I've purchased. Like I remember these headphones. I was so excited to get these headphones that I'm wearing. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see them. And if you're listening, they're the Apple AirPods Max. And I had been thinking about getting them for a while, finally decided to. And I remember placing the order and it said it was going to take like two weeks for them to arrive. That two weeks felt like an eternity. But now I have them and I've had them for two weeks. And the two weeks that I've had them has felt like it went by really fast. And as I've said in other episodes, it's really important for us to 
become very present to not just the anticipation, but the experience once it's happening and then the experience after it's happened, because those are equally important. It kind of also reminds me of a statement that was brought up recently, Jason. Actually, I'm getting really excited to hear your perspective on this. And I hope I can do it justice. I think I saw this on TikTok and this guy was talking about time traveling, but in a really unique way. He was saying that our memories are kind of our equivalent of time traveling, where we can go back in time and almost relive experiences that we had. And I I don't know why this is making me so excited. Maybe it's because I, I love this concept. But he said, since he was a kid... He's been creating, I don't know if the term he used was which was touchstones or something, but he's been creating active thoughts and experiences in the present moment so that his future self can easily come back to the past memories. And I thought that was such a brilliant idea. So in a way, we can do this at any point in our life. So right now, we could create a... I don't know if is touch tone the right descriptor for that, touch point, but it's something that becomes a very vivid experience in the present moment that we could potentially come back to. It's almost like if any of you have played Super Mario games or any Nintendo games, a lot of them have Mario, for example, has uh, flags in the, the middle of the game where once you get to the flag, if you die, as Mario, when you come back to life, you go back to that starting point as opposed to the beginning. And I think like Donkey Kong, a lot of those games have that. And it's designed so that you don't have to completely start over from scratch. But in my head, you could almost do that with your memories. And it's not quite the same because it's not like you're coming back to life, but you're going back to revisit something. And if you are really intentional about it, you're giving your future self something that stands out in your memory as a positive experience, hopefully, right? So right now for us, Jason, we could sit here and savor the experience of doing 200 episodes. And we can do that by really taking in what it feels like to have accomplished this. Not to pat ourselves on the back necessarily, but just to use this as an example. It is quite an accomplishment that we have recorded 200 episodes. And I think it's incredibly important for us to acknowledge that because it's a lot of work. And sometimes we don't take the time to acknowledge the work. We just keep moving to the next milestone and the next one, the next one. And if we sit here and savor it, it's almost like our future selves can come back to this moment anytime we want and revisit that experience of recording this because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, Jason. And we might need this moment for something else. Just like, you know, sometimes you're laying in bed or on the couch or just like taking a moment and your brain will go back to something that happened in the past. Sometimes it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing. For example, Jason, you and I had our road trip in 2019. And I think about it a lot these days because I've been editing the video for that. And I'm getting closer and closer to feeling ready to publish it. So for the listener, it will be available at some point. I don't know exactly when, but I'm, I'm trying to actually get that done this month. And whenever I watch that video, Jason, I feel so grateful for it because the process of creating that video gave us that 
touch point, that touchstone, that deep embedded memory. So now I can visually and auditorily go back to that experience of us on that trip. And if I had been really conscious of it, I might recall some of the smells as well. So now I've got visuals, I've got the audio of maybe I have the sense memory of the smell and anything else that we've created either that was filmed on camera or that was put in our memories. And I think that it's common practice for us to do that on vacations, but maybe we don't do that enough in our day-to-day lives. Maybe we don't stop to not only appreciate the big moments of our lives and the milestones in our moment, our lives, but what if we became more present and did a little bit more frequently and, and found the joy in all sorts of moments of our day so that, as you were mentioning, Jason, if you're going through a depressive episode, it's like, oh, I can time travel back to the past and like put myself in a place that was really wonderful or comforting. And that could be like a coping mechanism or that could just be a tool that you use when you're struggling as a reminder that you've experienced joy in the past. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think there's also value in looking back on previous challenges or struggles that I've survived. When I'm in a moment of feeling really stressed or anxious or depressed or or lost, I do think back on other times in my life that I felt that way and go, you felt this way before and you made it through that, you'll make it through this. So, So not only reflecting on the joyful moments of the past, but reflecting on the resilience and the ability to survive really painful, confusing, anxious, scary moments in life. I think there's a deep value in that for me as well. And the other thing too, you know, you, you talked about this idea of future self. I remember back, this must be like 11 years ago, 2010. I remember having a conversation with a friend about these elements of quantum theory and time that were coming out uh, of time the theory that that time is this nonlinear, um, it's this nonlinear sort of schmear, like you know, time and space being these quantum aspects of our reality as we know it, and the the theory in this this idea of quantum time was that our past selves, all these versions of who we were, who we are in this moment, and our future selves are all existing simultaneously. And the whole idea was that the choices that we are making in the present moment are actually not only rippling backward in reality to the previous versions of who we are, but that our future self that we have not yet lived or embodied, at least consciously, but on some dimensional reality, our future self is still is living whatever they're living, that our future self is making decisions that are rippling, quote, backward to the present moment. That whatever decisions our future self is making quantumly are affecting the moment. Not only is the present moment affecting the past, but our future decisions that we don't even feel we've made yet, but in quantum mechanics, we have made them, is affecting us now. That's the fascinating thing. Is like, what is my future self doing, quantumly speaking, that's affecting me in this moment? That's I, I trip on that sometimes literally on psychedelics, but uh, but sometimes in the middle of my day, I'm like, if that's really true and versions of us are existing in past, present, and future simultaneously, 
then what the hell is my future self up to that's affecting me now? I do. I, 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 dream, I daydream on that. I stare out the window sometimes when I'm taking a work break and I'm just like, I wonder what I am going to be doing a year from now, two years from year, five, who the hell knows? I don't know. But what you posited, Whitney, makes me think about, you know, how much pressure I think we put on ourselves with time. And I do this too. I'm too old to do this. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm running out of time. You know, I'm going to be 50 years old soon. But like, what does all that mean? I mean, we, we, you and I talk about arbitrary measurements that we use to gauge our value in society as human beings all the time. And I think, I think our relationship to time is a fascinating thing. Because on one hand, I suppose the idea of death can be a very motivating thing. We've talked about that in, in previous episodes, our relationship to death and, and losing people. But death is also something that's related to a time-bound mind, that I have a finite amount of time in this body, in this reality. And I wonder sometimes what the balance is of, I suppose, feeling motivated by the fact that we're not going to be living in these bodies forever and we're going to experience a physical death at some point versus not taking time so seriously that what if what if we are infinite beings? What if once we exit these bodies, our energy, our souls, whatever you want to call it, go somewhere else? And maybe we embody somewhere else. Maybe we don't embody somewhere else. Maybe we stay disembodied. I'm kind of like going on a massive tangent, but here we are at episode 200 and we do tangents and we do them well, folks. We're known for our tangents here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. But it's all, it's all this to say, Whitney, that I, I'm... I'm curious what your relationship is to time and age right now. I mentioned you have a birthday coming up. I'm not going to share what number because that's for you to decide whether you want to share that. But, but you know, I feel like birthdays are often a time where we reflect on these things. We reflect on time. We reflect on accomplishments or lack thereof. We reflect on, I don't know, what I ought to be doing at this age. And I'm curious if any of that's coming up for you as you approach this milestone for yourself. It's interesting because I don't, talk about my age that much because I feel like ageism is such a big issue that we have, especially for women. And I don't want to be part of that. So I I just feel not quite neutral about age, but uh, on the side of the age doesn't matter perspective. I do find myself being curious about other people's age. And then I use that as an opportunity to like reflect on that and then be less concerned. Like there are moments where I I will try to compare myself to someone based on their age. So I think that's why we have an interest in age. And then of course there's like kind of the health and longevity side of it. it. You know, we love to put things into context in terms of how old someone is. And I've noticed that when somebody brings up their age, I don't generally want to know what it is. When somebody asks me what my age is, I don't generally want to share my age. And yet I do find myself sometimes being curious about other people's age still. I think it's just kind of a a bad habit per se, because I just don't think it matters that much. (laughs) You know, like I think age matters sometimes in terms of like access to things. Age will sometimes matter in terms of experience, but in general, age doesn't really matter in terms of your health because somebody can be healthy or, quote, unhealthy, which is a term I also don't really enjoy. 
at any different age, right? And there's this kind of mindset of like, oh, somebody's doing well, quote, for their age, or someone's not doing well for their age. And I think that does us a a disservice. So that's one of the reasons I don't go out of my way to share my age, keep people guessing. If it really seems relevant, maybe I'll bring it up, but I... I don't even really think about it. In fact, I actually have started to lose track of exactly how old I am, <laughs> which might sound funny. I'll have to do the math. Like my upcoming birthday, I have to keep pausing and be like, oh, I'm turning that age. Interesting. You know, because it's like one of those ages that's in between the big numbers, right? And it's also fascinating to me that we tend to celebrate certain numbers. Uh, when you're a teenager, you'll celebrate turning double digits. You celebrate turning... 16, 18, 21. And then after that, it's like, then you start to celebrate 30, 40, 50, et cetera. And I don't know, it just, it seems strange. And it's also interesting because my mother is similar, but a little bit more extreme. She never talks about her age. She will completely go out of her way to avoid it. My sister and I don't really know how old my mom is. We just found out how old my dad was because he had some health issue a year ago. And there was like some contextual reason we wanted to know his age. Although ultimately, like I said, it didn't really matter. (laughs) But it's just not an important thing in our family. And I also forget my sister's age. I I just do the math every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that she's X years younger than me. And then I'll remember how old she is. But it's interesting because in our family, age was not something that was discussed that frequently. And I actually think that was kind of cool. I find it irritating when TV shows or articles, they put somebody's age on to contextualize them. You know, in an article, they'll put them in parentheses. They'll, the, on a TV show, especially reality TV shows like The Bachelor, for example, they will say like the person's name underneath, it'll say their job, comma, their age. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. Because what does it say? What is the point of that? So that you can say, oh, wow, I didn't know she was that young. Like, that makes me believe something about her. But if you didn't know her age, then it's like your beliefs are less meaningful or something. And I think that's the whole point. Like, if we really step back and look at it, age just truly doesn't matter. It's very rare that it matters. And it also reminds me of things like once a child is born or something, there's so much emphasis of constantly asking how old a child is and also talking about a child's gender. So I wouldn't be surprised, Jason, if over time age becomes less of a deal just and or like shifts its whole dynamic just as we've been seeing gender changing. You know, like we're still in that weird time where people like to say like they really like to know if their child is a boy or a girl. Like it's born gender is like still a big deal. Even when I saw my friends recently, it was only the second time I had seen their child because their child was born during COVID. And by the way, their daughter was born on my birthday, which I completely forgot about until recently, which is kind of cool, right? We shared the same birthday. But when I was visiting with them, they were talking a lot about the child's behavior and the child's clothing in terms of the gender. And I had to bite my tongue because I don't want to like push my beliefs onto my friends. But 
I found it really fascinating how much they were contextualizing their child's gender in terms of the way this child dresses and the way this child acts and behaves. And these people are around my age, right? So it's fascinating how the generations, Jason, can are we're still in that strange time of being more open and fluid in terms of our belief systems, and yet we still cling on to traditional things like gender, and we still are in the old habits. So I'm curious if as our habits change around gender, will they also change around age? Will age become less of a factor or will it stay a big factor in our lives even as we continue to evolve and become more open-minded about how we perceive other people? I think there's a lot of subjugation in society in general that people want to know descriptors of who you are. What do you do for a living? I mean, that's the typical question when you meet someone new, right? What do you do? The age thing, the gender thing, the religion thing, the politics thing. I think we as humans are so obsessed with contextualizing other people we meet. First of all, to suss out if they're safe on a very fundamental primal level, is this person safe? But I think on a much more subtle level, it's like, do I want to relate to this person? Or does this person have something of value in this interaction that I can get from them? I mean, we're sussing each other out on all these levels all of the time. The concerning thing for me is there seems to be a growing movement. And this makes sense, Whitney, because in sort of my belief system and a lot of my spiritual practices, I believe in something called second force. That when you energetically initiate something that is infused with a lot of intention and energy in the world, that the enthusiasm and excitement and joy that you will initiate this thing into the world with will be met with second force, which is challenge and resistance from outside forces. Like, I really believe that this is a thing. And you talked about the whole movement of people reevaluating their gender and reevaluating the titles in which they refer to themselves and the pronouns. And we have done episodes on this. And for you, dear listener, if you want to investigate some of the episodes we've covered on gender pronouns, we'll link to that in the show notes at our website, which is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com and go to the podcast section. We'll link to all of that in the show notes for this episode. But one thing I've been seeing popping up on social media a lot lately, Whitney, is a resistance and a pushback from people saying there was a video the other day that I saw in the vein where it was showing images of celebrities and musicians and artists dressing in, quote, women's clothing. Like there was a shot of Harry Styles in a dress and there was like David Bowie and Prince and, you know, men that are well-known celebrities or artists that were dressing with makeup and androgyny and women's clothing. And the whole thing was like, where are all the real men? And it was this diatribe that I've seen different versions of now of basically saying that we're killing off the real men in society by feminizing them and that dressing up in women's clothing and having makeup and androgyny and men exploring their femininity is a, quote, bad thing. Like it's killing off the real, quote, real men, whatever the fuck that means. You know, I mean, it rankled me because on one hand. I really love my feminine side, and I really love the fact that I'm an extremely sensitive man in the world, which has disturbed and interested and intrigued people my whole life, okay, for a variety of reasons. But this pushback against what you're saying, Whitney, of us perhaps combating sexism 
I don't even know if is genderism even it's got to be an ism, right? Genderism, sexism, ageism, the things you and I are discussing. There's an equal amount of pushback as people are expanding their minds and their hearts to realize, okay, maybe we don't have to be subjugated to this binary system of identification, right? You're a success, you're a failure, you're a man, you're a woman, you're hetero, you're gay. Everything's binary, binary, like you're in one bucket or the other. And people are getting really disturbed by the fact that people don't want to assign themselves to one bucket or another, that they're like, well, maybe there's a spectrum and maybe there is literally a whole schmear of choices. And I don't need to pick this one or that one to make you comfortable. So I've just been seeing a lot more of this pushback from people of trying to, I don't even know, uphold some old school idea of what masculinity is, that if you wear a dress and wear makeup, somehow you're not a man anymore. And I just, I think this is fascinating as the world is changing, people's minds and hearts are changing. There's a group of humans that don't want it to. They're like, no, no, we want things to stay the same way. We want things to stay the way they are. This is a man. This is a woman. This is hetero. This is gay. This is good. This is bad. The binary way of relating as humans, it disinterests me more and more as I go on because it's so fucking boring, Whitney. Like on one level, it's so boring. On a deeper level, it's oppressing to people because if you want to paint outside the lines or live outside the lines, people criticize you. They hate you. There's violence against people who choose to do this. We've talked about this, but you just sparked something in me because I see this backlash coming more and more and more. And it's like, what is so threatening about a man wearing a fucking dress? What is so threatening? <laughs> Let people wear what they want to wear. Let people do whatever the fuck they want to do as long as it's not harming you. You know, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm an alien sometimes, Whitney, because I look at this stuff and I'm like, why can't you just let people be the way they want to be? Why is it so threatening? You know, it brings up a larger question of why do we feel the need to oppress and subjugate people? You know, why do human beings feel the need to do this? You know, you're in your 40s, so you should have this. You should have this amount of money saved. You should have this level of wealth. You should have this level of career success. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's a fascinating thing. I don't know that I have a question to bounce back to you, but I guess I'm just reflecting on, to say it for the nine millionth time, as humanity is evolving, there is a group of people who don't, I don't think want us to that really don't want humanity to evolve. They want us to stay exactly the way it's been. And maybe because it's benefiting them in some way. Maybe that's why certain people don't want us to evolve as a species. Because if we stay the way we are, they keep benefiting from us staying the way we are. I personally am not interested in that. <laughs> it's dreadfully boring. It's an answer that I certainly don't have because I think it takes a lot of research into human history. I have been wanting to go back and reread the book Status Anxiety because there's a lot of really interesting data in there about human behavior and how we've evolved over time to view status in so many different ways, right? And so I think age can be a status, gender can be a status, income is a status. Like there's so many things that are based in status. And I can't remember all the details about the psychological reasons that status is important. So when I revisit that book, I think that that would be a really interesting thing to reflect back on. And we have talked about it a bit off and on throughout the podcast. So if you search for status anxiety on our website, podcast.wellevator.com, there's actually transcripts for every single episode. So you can find all the little nuggets in which we've referenced books like Status Anxiety. And I'm fascinated by this, Jason. This is the part of history that really piques my interest because I'm a a big why person. I like to understand 
the reason in which we do things. I would think a simple explanation for your question is that we are looking for ways to stay safe. And it makes us feel safe when things stay the same. It makes us feel safe when we have control. It makes us feel safe when we understand somebody and we have context. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's hard to shift a lot as human beings because we become very used to them and tradition is very appealing as a result. So I think age also, the comparison side of it can make us feel very comforted or safe for better or for worse. We might be able to have more context like, ooh, approximately how much time do we have left to live? You know, like we don't like to think about it very much, but there are averages in which human beings will live. And, you know, actually on this note, just to go off track from the human experience, it's also true with our animals. And this actually came up. This has been coming up a lot recently because my dog Evie is 11 years old, I think. I think she turns 12 this year. Let's see. Yeah, she turns 12 at the towards the end of this year, fall. And it's interesting because a lot of people love to know how old your animals are. Like that's one of the first questions that we ask when we meet a new animal. What's the animal's name and how old is it? And we put that animal into context too, which is also such a bizarre question. I met a 17-year-old dog, I think, the other day at the grocery store. I could not believe how old this dog was because I thought for sure it was a puppy. So it was interesting to hear that the dog was really old because 17 years is a long time for a dog to live. And so perhaps like that makes it impressive or a helpful number. But at the same point, if I just saw the dog and never found out how old the dog was, I just kind of assumed that the dog was young because it was lively. But what if being full of life does not have anything to do with how old you are? In a way, the term full of life means that you've had a lot of life in you. So wouldn't that actually mean that you are older? But we associate being full of life with being younger, which actually doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's the same thing. We love to judge people based on their appearance, like whether or not they have wrinkles or gray hair. And I've been having gray hair sprout out of my head for let's see, a while now. And I remember when they first started coming up, I thought, oh my gosh, like, am I too young to be getting gray hairs? But if you look it up, women get gray hairs at all different ages. I don't know the youngest in which somebody will get gray hair, but certainly women in their 20s get gray hair sometimes. And gray hair also is different for every hair type. It looks different. Like my sister has very blonde hair. I feel a little envious of her because you'll probably never notice her gray hair. It'll take many years longer for me than someone like me that has dark hair. And we think about wrinkles, but women get wrinkles at all different ages. And it depends on their sun exposure. It depends on their genetics. It depends on how well they take care of their skin. And it's like all these little factors that we use to evaluate age are very meaningless. And I guess the biggest reason that I don't like it, Jason, is beyond the judgment. I think time, there's so much of time is wrapped up in anxiety and fear and pride as well. So coming back to the whole reason we started discussing this was around our 200th episode. So perhaps we have some pride around it. Okay. It gives us, you know, experience. Like, so there's also the bonus of it. If we come back to the age side of things, 
Sometimes things that are older, like a podcast, for example, is taken more seriously the older that it is. And yet, at the same time, there are podcasts that are incredibly successful and they're brand new, you know, like Barack Obama's podcast, you know, like someone who just started off could be a massive success. Why? Because they have all this other experience beyond their podcast. So it's like, ultimately, all this stuff just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really mean that much. I think we just use it because as human beings, we feel safe having context that makes us feel like we have a better grasp and a better understanding of things. But at the end of the day, it's kind of all BS. You could say that about a lot of life. (laughs) It's a lot of BS. It's a lot of worrying about things that we don't need to worry about. It's a lot of stressing over things that are completely arbitrary measurements. I mean, you say it, Whitney, and I laugh because I have to laugh at myself of how much BS I stress over and how many times I need to stop myself and go, what's real here? Does this even matter? Like, really, does this matter? You're stressing over something. Why? And, you know, I think it's important that we ask ourselves that in the process of mindfulness and the process of self-awareness to really stop ourselves if we, if we feel that we're spiraling, whether it's the comparison trap, whether it's someone judging us, whether it's a rude comment on social media, whether we're comparing ourselves in our own minds to someone else. It's important to say, you know, that's my thing is I'm like, dude, stop. What's real here? Does this matter? Do you even give a shit? And most of the times, it doesn't matter and I don't give a shit. And that's not to say that I'm nihilistic or detached, but most of the times when I'm stressed or worried or anxious about something, it's like, dude, you're bleeding out energy that doesn't need to be bled out over this thing. And I think, you know, when we talk about time, Whitney, we talk about age, we talk about accomplishments, we're going to have lots of opportunities if we're sensitive to those things. And lately, I've been sensitive about my age, thinking about my birthday coming up this year. And the only reason I'm sensitive about it is because I, quote, thought I'd be in a different place in my life by this point, right? Like, that's my thing. That's my pain point is I thought I'd be in a different place. What does that mean? We thought you'd be more successful. Successful how? Richer? More financially stable? Wealthier? More influential? Like what, dude? What did you think you'd you'd be by this point? And I have to be mindful because I use that to beat myself up. Some arbitrary measurement in my head fueled by society, media, social media, a million different sources of, oh, by this point of this number assigned to you, you're supposed to have X, Y, Z, and you don't, so therefore you're a loser. You know, like I have to be super mindful of that because if I go down that rabbit hole, it's a dark place for me. But it's like, who's keeping score? Is my mom keeping score? Is my family keeping score? Are you keeping, is that, you know, it's like, is there some whiteboard somewhere of like, oh, yeah, Jason's, you know, he's turning whatever this year and he doesn't have xyz what a fuck up he is you know we're sure going to give him some shit next time we see him you know it's like there's not any point on any birthday where i've ever had anyone say god jason we thought you'd be further along at this point like no one's ever said that i've said it to myself i'm the cruelest person to myself which i'm working on but no one's ever been like wow damn jay number 40 huh We thought you'd be doing better. Even if they think it, fuck them. Lucky you. I can't say the same because those are things my mom says to me. (laughs) Funny enough, Jason, I don't beat myself up in the ways that you do, at least not consciously. So I'm certainly going to reflect on it. But, you know, some people do are really judgmental. Maybe they don't say it to your face, but in a way, it's a gift when someone does because and maybe that's why it's easier for me, Jason. I can actually realize that just because my mom is like hyper fixated on my age and what that means for my life doesn't mean that I need to be. 
So perhaps it's the, it, it kind of happens in the opposite way when like somebody says something to you enough, it, it definitely affects you. I, I will say that I, I think about things in context to what my mother has shared with me, but I also maybe that is more empowering because I realize like, oh, do I need to think that way? No. Is that true for me? No. I love your questions that you shared, Jason, about what's real here and who's keeping score. And the truth is some people are keeping score. <laughs> but just because somebody's keeping score in your life doesn't mean that it matters. You know, I love my mom, but her opinions of me honestly don't really matter. They're just her opinions on me and her perspectives on life. And the older I get, the more I can distance myself from that. And I think also I've learned over time to like just noticing my reactions yesterday to my friends showed me my practice because just because they have different opinions and feelings on gender right now, I don't need to verbally disagree with them. I can just observe it and reflect on it quietly and move on with my life. I'm not somebody that wants to debate somebody about their beliefs on age or gender or time and all these other factors that we have. And I think it's such a, a healing process to just become as we often say, more aware. And through that awareness, we can really examine how we want to live in our lives and what matters to us. And I think a final thought I'd love to share is, I do think it's cool that we hit 200 episodes because 200 episodes for me means that we have worked really hard and we've been consistent with something. And that's really important to me. And the more that you do something, oftentimes the results will come with it. And the results that we've received with our podcast is incredible feedback from people. I mean, that has increased. The more that we have released episodes of the show, the more feedback we've received. And that is a wonderful blessing. It's not necessarily a correlation. Just because you do something a lot of times doesn't mean somebody's going to like it or somebody's going to notice it. But for us, Jason, we have been blessed with amazing listeners and feedback. And we want to acknowledge you, the listener, for being part of our lives and being consistent in listening and being consistent in sharing your feedback. And maybe this is the first episode you've listened to, and that's a gift as well. And then in terms of age too, I think you've said this before, Jason, that it's a gift to get older. Every birthday should be a true celebration of your life continuing, not a milestone of dread. You know, it's going to make me emotional, but my grandfather was always so proud of his age. And he would not just mark the years, but he would mark like all the little progress that he made because I think he was so grateful to be alive. And, you know, if somebody asked how old he was, he wouldn't just say 97. He'd say 97 and a half. <laughs> and I remember doing that when I was little, but as adults, we don't usually do that. We're actually, we're more apt to round down than we are to round up. And I think that we go through transitions and hopefully, you know, my transition will be like, I mean, it doesn't really matter like my personal relationships or, or how I publicly speak about age, but I just thought that was really cool that my grandfather, you know, it's like, and when you look in the future at us towards the end of our life, we start to like want to live longer and longer. We hopefully... <laughs> I guess I can't speak for everyone, but if you're enjoying life, you don't want it to end. And so every single day is such a gift. And I'm grateful that my grandfather exemplified that 
because when I think of him, I think it was a gift to have him live that long. And that's a good thing to reflect on for me as my birthday comes up. I think it begs a pretty obvious question as we're coming to the finish line of episode 200, Whitney, is last year, your birthday was about two weeks after the official, I suppose, shutdown here in Los Angeles and in most parts of the planet of COVID. Here we are one year later at the time of this recording, still very much in the global pandemic and your birthday's coming up again. And you don't generally have the same kind of, you know, I suppose, blowouts that I do or large kind of crazy gatherings, many of which you have beautifully and skillfully organized. But I'm curious if you have any intentions or ways that you want to celebrate under the limited options that we still have having a birthday in the middle of a pandemic. You have two birthdays now that you've celebrated in the middle of a pandemic. So any thoughts or musings or, or desires of how you want to celebrate yourself? Not really. These AirPods were a partial gift. <laughs> I knew somebody in particular was going to want to give me something nice for my birthday. And, and I thought that the AirPods would be nice. <laughs> but we decided to split it because the AirPods are quite expensive. So it was a gift to not have to pay full price for my AirPods. <laughs> I was really excited about that. So I'm going to try to remember, be very present to the present of the headphones that I'm wearing. And I don't expect much more than that. I mean, I'm very content. I'm not a huge, like gifts don't have a, a ton of weight for me. I'm very practical. So, you know, if somebody wants to get me a practical present, I would much prefer that over like something I don't need because <laughs> it just feels like a waste of money and space and resources. In terms of the other celebrations, I am kind of considering the trip that I'm taking at the end of the month for my birthday. That's one of my favorite things. And, you know, Jason, one of one of my favorite birthday celebrations that I did with you is when you and I did our our drive and I think that was 2019 where we drove up to Santa Barbara and spent the day up there going to restaurants and going to the beach with our dogs. And that was really great. Like that type of experience is much more meaningful to me than like a birthday party or a meal, like a lot of those I just kind of, they're nice, but they're not like really fulfilling. So yeah, I think for me, the actual day of my birthday, I already took off like on my calendar, it's a day off. It's luckily a Sunday. So I don't feel like I will need to do any work that day. And then the following week is when I do my trip, my uh, next road trip. So I intend on really savoring it and reflecting on it and enjoying the process of traveling, which is something I think has an even deeper meaning for me during COVID. Dear listener, if you want to share any birthday love with Whitney, you can always email us. It's hello at wellevator.com. That's our direct email that Whitney and I respond to personally. You want to send her any goodies too. We're happy to send our mailing address. Maybe Whitney, someone wants to send you some chocolate pudding or a really cool accessory for your Tesla, or maybe a nice uh, sweater for Evie. If you guys want to send Whitney any kind of love, just shoot us an email. Again, it's hello at wellevator.com. And but, but remember, I don't want, I really don't like gifts unless someone checks with me first or knows for sure that I want something. <laughs> like It's kind of like, Jason, you know that I don't like cut flowers. It's such a waste. Like, if you want to give me flowers, they should be potted flowers. If you would like to give a gift, like, I'd so much rather someone spoil the surprise and ask me what I want versus like 
hey, I assumed that you want this sweater that you're never actually going to wear. So there you have it, folks. Send her an email and say, Whitney, what do you want for your birthday? And let her answer. And then you can send us the gifts. But in all seriousness, yes, we want to hear from you. If you have any thoughts on the episode today of time and age and the way that we arbitrarily assess each other with these things, we always love personal emails. Again, we've been getting quite a few really deep, raw, personal emails lately. And we love the fact that you feel so comfortable and safe with us to comment on the topical matter and share your life stories with us. And it's always deeply meaningful when we receive those. So you will find the transcript and the show notes for this episode and all of our 200 episodes at our website, which is wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Click on the podcast section. You will find the transcript and all of the show notes there. And any of the books or articles or resources we mentioned will be in those show notes. And we also have a really great free resources section. If you haven't visited our website yet, we have video trainings, eBooks, guides. We have an awesome section full of freebies to empower you, help you achieve more balance and bliss with your mental health, your emotional wellness, navigating social media. These are the things that we are extremely passionate about educating ourselves on and sharing those resources and tools and strategies with you. With that, we love you. We appreciate you. We also have a YouTube channel, which we will link to in the show notes if you want to see the video version of this. And we're going to be uploading a lot more video content on our YouTube channel and our Instagram reels. So follow us there at Wellevator. And boy, oh boy, here we go. Next 200 episodes, here we come. Soon enough, we're going to be at like three, 400 episodes, Whitney. And it's going to be like, how did we do that? But one episode at a time. So join us for episode 201 coming soon on This Might Get Uncomfortable. We love you and appreciate you. We'll see you with another one soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 